أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم I begin in the name of the Almighty God, the Compassionate, the Merciful, the one who has created everything in utmost perfection. And may the peace and blessings of the Almighty God be upon His pure and beloved Messenger, the peak of His creation, the symbol of humanity, the Holy Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa alihi. And his immaculate progeny of the Ahlul Bayt, peace be upon them, especially the leader of our time, the awaited Savior, Al-Imam Al-Mahdi, Ajjalallahu Ta'ala Farajah. May Allah hasten his reappearance and make us all amongst the sincere and dedicated servants. Respected brothers and sisters, Assalamu Alaikum wa Rahmatullahi wa Barakatuh. I sincerely extend my condolences to you all on this tragic night. The night of the strike of the commander of the faithful. Amir al-Mu'mineen salawatullahi alayhi. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant us the ziyarah of Amir al-Mu'mineen. The shafa'ah of Amir al-Mu'mineen. And to illuminate our hearts and minds with the light and the wisdom of Amir al-Mu'mineen. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala states in the Holy Quran, in Surah Al-Baqarah, the second chapter of the Holy Quran, verse 26. rahman rahim Inna Allah la yastahyi an yadriba mathalam ma ba'udhatan fama fawqaha. فَأَمَّا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا فَيَعْلَمُونَ أَنَّهُ الْحَقُّ مِنْ رَبِّهِمْ وَأَمَّا الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا فَيَقُولُونَ مَاذَا أَرَادَ اللَّهُ بِهَذَا مَثَلًا يُضِلُّ بِهِ كَثِيرًا وَيَهْدِي بِهِ كَثِيرًا وَمَا يُضِلُّ بِهِ إِلَّا الْفَاسِقِينَ صدق الله العلي العظيم Illuminate your hearts and minds with a very loud salawat اللهم صل على Amir al-Mu'mineen salawatullahi alayhi is the source of knowledge, the spring of wisdom. If you take a look at Nahj al-Balagha, which is a collection of his sayings and writings, you find that Amir al-Mu'mineen alayhi salam delivers to us knowledge in every field that you can think of. When it comes to spirituality and connecting with our Lord, the Imam alayhi salam gives us the best advice. When it comes to preparing for the Akhirah, the Imam salam gives us beautiful advice in one sentence. In one sentence. In one of the shortest speeches that are recorded in Nahj al-Balagha, the Imam salam states, You see that the target is before you. You know where you're going. The day of judgment, we're all going there. And then the Imam salam tells us the vehicle that's taking you to that target is what? وَالسَّاعَةَ تَحْدُوكُمْ مِنْ وَرَائِكُمْ It's the hour, time. Time is the vehicle that's taking you towards this target. How do I get saved? How do I make it? تَخَفَّفُوا تَلْحَقُوا Be light 
and you'll make it. Is their wisdom, advice more profound and effective than that in one sentence? Be light and you'll make it. Just like when you travel light, when you go hiking light, you'll make it. Don't burden yourself with unnecessary things in this dunya, with sins. When it comes to history, when it comes to the tafsir of the Holy Quran, when it comes to psychology, sociology, politics, the economy, Amir al-Mu'mineen alayhi salam gives us gems throughout Nahj al-Balagha. Now there is one interesting sermon in Nahj al-Balagha in which the Imam alayhi salam at a first glance seems to highlight something very insignificant, something very small, something that's worthless in our eyes. That sermon 185, in many versions of Nahj al-Balagha, in sermon 185, the Imam describes the ant, al-Namla. Now some people may wonder, Amir al-Mu'mineen is a serious leader. He's the source of knowledge. He is the gate to the city of knowledge. Is it really important for him to talk about the ant and describe the ant when the ant is a very insignificant insect in our lives? Why is that even important? Why does the commander of the faithful dedicate time to describing this small creature? Anyone who has this objection, Allah answers you in the Quran. Where has Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala answered to this objection in the Quran? Surah Al-Baqarah verse 26. The pagans and the non-believers made an issue about some verses in the Qur'an. They came and they started to attack the Qur'an by saying, this book, this Qur'an, that is supposedly from God, seems to talk about insignificant things. It talks about the spider and the web of the spider. It talks about insignificant things. Why would God do that? They were trying to belittle the Holy Qur'an. Allah responds to them in Surah Al-Baqarah verse 26. إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يَسْتَحِي أَنْ يَضْرِبَ مَثَلًا Allah is not ashamed to give you the example of what? مَثَلًا مَا بَعُوضَةً فَمَا فَوْقَهَا Allah is not ashamed to give you the example of even a mosquito. Now, fama fawqaha literally means, and that which is above it. Now, what does above it mean? The common tafsir is that that which is smaller than it. Above it means smaller in size. That's one tafsir. Another tafsir that some have discovered in our era today, is that there is a parasite that lives on top of the mosquito. In the past, it was impossible to know that, to see that. People did not have the tools to look at a mosquito to know that there is another creature living on its back. But today with our microscopes and modern technology, we can see that. فَمَا فَوْقَهَا Not just a mosquito, even that small creature on top of the mosquito. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not ashamed to give you that example. فَأَمَّا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا فَيَعْلَمُونَ أَنَّهُ الْحَقُّ مِنْ رَبِّهِمْ The believers, they say, yes, Allah is giving us relevant examples. It's truth. He's teaching us something. وَأَمَّا الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا But the disbelievers, what do they say? 
What will they say? Mada arad Allahu bihada Why does God gives us give us such examples? Mosquito, spider. What's so significant about these creatures? Yudillu bihi kathiran wa yahdi bihi kathira. Allah is trying you. Some are guided and some are misguided. Now, why does Allah give the example of a mosquito in the Holy Quran or even the fly? Allah in another verse says, if you all human beings and jinn Everyone, all creation, come together to create a fly, you cannot. You don't have that capacity. Why does Allah give us the example of a mosquito? Al-Imam Ja'far al-Sadiq answers us. He says Allah gives the example of a mosquito in the Holy Quran because the mosquito has all the body parts of an elephant and even looks like an elephant. And it even has two more body parts. You know how the elephant has a trunk? The mosquito also has a trunk. And it is through this trunk that it comes and stings you and bites you and sucks your blood. The Imam salam is teaching us, look, this small little creature that you can barely see, it has all the functions that an elephant has. But it's so small. Look at the adama of Allah. Look at the greatness of the creation of your Lord. Allah will give you an example like that. To demonstrate to you, you have a creator. There is a system. That's the beauty of these Quranic principles. Subhanallah, when you look at these insects, it's truly fascinating. If anyone is saying, I have doubts about the existence of God, look at these little creatures. You know when the mosquito flies, how fast does it flap its wings? 1,000 times per second. I personally cannot comprehend that. For us, a second is a second. How something can move a thousand times in one second is beyond my mental capacity to visualize it. Not per minute, per second. In a creature that's so small like that, how did it gain this capacity? Allah says, I will give you this example. And I'm not ashamed to give you such an example. And Allah So the Quran gives us the answer. These are signs that bring you to Allah. Hence, Amir al-Mu'mineen alayhi salam, whom we are commemorating tonight, one of his sermons in Nahj al-Balagha 185 is about describing the ant. This creature that seems so insignificant to us. Let us go through the description of Amir al-Mu'mineen alayhi salam of the ant and then let's draw the lesson. Why does the imam share that with us? There are very important lessons in that. Listen to the power of the words of Amir al-Mu'mineen alayhi salam. He states, انظروا إلى النملة في صغر جثتها ولطافة هيئتها Oh people, look at the sign of Allah. Look at the smallness of the ant. You see, how it has such a tiny body, and it has such a delicate form. You cannot see it properly with your eyes. We can see the ants moving, but can you fully see all of its body parts? Can you see its eyes, its head, its legs? We cannot see it with the naked eye clearly. Basically the Imam says you can barely see this ant. But you know that this ant has a world of its own. Do you not see how it moves around the earth 
and it leaps towards its rizq, its livelihood. Have you examined how the world of ants functions? تَنْقُلُ الْحَبَّةَ إِلَىٰ جُحْرِهَا It goes and brings the seed, the grain to its hole to protect it. وَتُعِدُّهَا فِي مُسْتَقَرِّهَا It prepares it in a safe place. تَجْمَعُ فِي حَرِّهَا لِبَرْدِهَا سَلَامُ اللَّهُ عَلَيْكِ يَا أَبَا الْحَسَنِ What kind of power your words have. The Imam says, during the heat, meaning summer, it gathers for the cold, meaning winter. Because the winter climate is harsh in many places. And so the ant is not able to go and search for food. I mean, imagine here in the winter where it's constantly snowing. It cannot find grains. So what does the ant do? The ant, it goes and takes those grains during the summer, during the good months. It stores it in storages under the ground. Now, you know what's really fascinating and miraculous about that? A lot of ants don't live long. You know, the male ant lives for a week. The queen ant, the female one, lives for years. But the male only for a week. Alhamdulillah, more comfort and raha from this dunya and from dealing with women. So good. But they live for a week, the male ant. Now, you know what's fascinating? There are ants who work in the summer to collect the seeds. They will never see winter, nor have they ever experienced the winter, but they know what to do. Show me, isn't that proof of the existence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Where did it get that knowledge from? It has never seen winter in its life. It only lives for weeks. But it knows exactly what to do. Let me store the food now. The Imam salam says, look at this small, tiny, little, beautiful creature. It knows what to do. Appreciate the azama of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَفِي وِرْدِهَا لِصَدْرِهَا When it's capable, it goes and brings the food because it knows there will be times when it is not capable. Then the Imam salam states, مَكْفُولٌ بِرِزْقِهَا مَرْزُوقَةٌ بِوَقْتِهَا لَا يَغْفِلُهَا الْمَنَّانِ وَلَا يَحْرِمُهَا الدَّيَّانِ وَلَوْ فِي الصَّفَ الْيَابِسِ وَالْحَجْرِ الْجَامِسِ The Imam says, the sustenance of the ant is guaranteed. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has delivered to it its sustenance. Even if the ant is inside a rock, Allah will deliver to it its sustenance. Look at the signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And truly ants are fascinating creatures. My dear brothers and sisters, read about the ant. Your imam whom you're commemorating speaks about it. It's important. It's one of the khutbas of Najil Balagha. Especially sisters, I know when your house and kitchen gets infested with ants, the first thing you want to do is eliminate them and kill them. But they are amazing creatures of Allah. Today, there are more than 12,000 species of ants. Can you imagine? 12,000 types of ants. Billions of ants out there, but 12,000 types. And the ants are one of the strongest animals compared to their body size. There is an ant called the trap jaw ant. When it closes its jaw, do you know at what speed it it has the capacity to close its jaw? 140 miles an hour. Small little creature that big. And the ant is so flexible. It can live in a mountain, in a valley, inside your house, outside, under the ground, in summer, in winter. It can live in all conditions. It can walk on all terrains. On the carpet, it can walk. On the sand, it can walk. 
On the street, it can walk. On grass, on trees, it can climb the wall. It can walk on the ceiling. There's no place that this ant cannot go to. Subhanallah, all this small little body. Isn't that amazing? And you know they have networks and cities underground? I invite you to see a documentary about ants. They have an entire world underground and they communicate and they speak to one another. They have their own ant language that recently scientists have decoded. In the past, people were like, how does the Quran say, وَقَالَتْ نَمْلَةٌ It tells us about the story of Prophet Sulaiman speaking to the ant. We don't hear the ants talking. No, they have their own language. It's fascinating. And the ants are one of those animals who even farm. You know how we, have, we farm animals? We have domesticated animals. Ants do that as well. They do that with aphids. Because the aphids secrete honeydew, they actually bring the aphids and they shelter them in their own homes to protect them from bad weather and from predators so they can take advantage of their honeydew. Look at the capacity this little creature has. You want more signs of the existence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Who inspired it and gave it that knowledge to know what, it, what to do? And then the Imam alayhi begins to further describe its body in that last paragraph. He says, وَلَوْ فَكَّرْتَ فِي مَجَارِي أَكْلِهَا You know, you human being, you have an esophagus, you have a stomach, you have intestines. Where do all these organs fit in an ant? The Imam says, if you were to think, about the digestive tracts in an ant. The high parts, the low parts, the carapace of its belly. If you think of all that. This small little head that looks like a dot. It has the capacity to see and the capacity to hear. By the way, this is one of the miracles of Nahj al-Balagha. Historically, scientists thought ants cannot hear. Ants don't have ears, by the way. Unlike other animals, they do not have ears. They have eyes, but they don't have ears. So for a long time, scientists thought that ants don't have the capacity to hear. But then, about 30 years ago, in maybe 1993, some scientists discovered that actually ants have the capacity to hear, not with their ears, but with their legs. Under their knee, they have an organ that can sense vibrations just like your ear senses the vibrations. And that's how they communicate with each other. They feel the vibration, and that's the sound of communication. Subhanallah. We human beings, the tool for us to hear is this bone in our ear. And Amir al-Mu'mineen discovered that 14 centuries ago. Science did not know that 14 centuries ago. The Imam salam states, Adam. Be amazed at the son of Adam. He looks, he sees with what? With fat. fat. Most of your eyes is made of lipids and fat. And he hears with a bone. During the time of Amir al-Mu'mineen people did not know that you would hear with a bone. Now we know that inside your ear there's a bone and that's how you hear. This is Amir al-Mu'mineen So the Imam says, if you look at the body of an ant and all the different parts that it has, لَقَضَيْتَ مِنْ خَلْقِهَا عَجَبًا 
You will be shocked at the complexity of its body and you would not be able to describe it. Because it's so complex, you would not be able to fully describe it. You would have to go through difficulty to be able to describe the small creature. Now let's come to the very important point and the lesson that we want to draw tonight. Why does Amir al-Mu'mineen mention that? Why? There are several reasons why the Iman brings our attention to a small creature like that. One, every creation, every being receives their sustenance from Allah. Don't worry and panic and lose hope. I know many of us, when the economy is bad, when we are thinking about our future jobs, will I get this job? Will I not get this job? Will my company fire me or not? We get anxiety. Just today, just today a brother called me and he had anxiety about that, about the future, about my job stability. Many people stress over that. People lose sleep over over that. The imam is teaching us if this small little creature who doesn't have your mental capacity is receiving its sustenance from Allah. You don't think Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take care of you? Relax, it's okay. Don't worry about the future. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take care of you. One interesting hadith states, once there was a famine, a drought, a famine in Palestine. Prophet Sulaiman told his companions, his people, let's go out to the desert and let's pray for rain. Salat al-istisqa, the prayer for rain. It's mustahab, when there's a prolonged period of drought, to go and ask for rain. So as they were going to the desert to do the salah, the hadith states, he saw an ant that caught his attention. Remember, the Quran tells us that Prophet Sulaiman had the ability to hear the ant, and he'd speak to the ants. In Surah An-Nam, the chapter of the ant. So he saw an ant coming, and it stood on its legs, and it turned to Allah, and it said, Oh Allah, we are your weak creatures. We, your ants, are the weak creatures that you have created. And we are suffering because of the sins of people, because of the sins of Bani Adam. Allahu Akbar. Imagine the animals saying that. Isn't this the state of the animals today when we're destroying the environment and causing this climate crisis, right? Animals are suffering because of us. Oh Allah, do not punish us because of the sins of Bani Adam and send down the rain. Prophet Sulaiman heard that dua from the ant. What did he say according to this hadith? He said to his people, pack up, let's go. Let's go. They told him, what do you mean let's go? We haven't done the dua yet. We haven't prayed the prayer for the rain yet. He said, this ant, the way it did its dua, Allah has accepted it, let's go. As they were going back, the clouds came with the rain. Subhanallah. Sometimes Allah has mercy on you and me because of an innocent creature like an ant. And we fail to, to, to remember that. So that's the first point that the imam is communicating to us. Allah has guaranteed the sustenance of every being. It's okay, never lose hope. That's number one. Number two. And this one is really important. And this is the lesson that we want to take tonight, my dear brothers and sisters. Many times in our lives, we overlook small things. Ant, what's the significance of an ant? Why did Allah even create this ant? But you know, it's these small things in your life that truly give you happiness.
We human beings, when we're trying to look for happiness, we always look at a macro level. We're always looking for huge outside factors. If I get $10 million, I'll definitely be happy. If I get this girl or boy in marriage, I'll definitely be happy. If I change my gender, I'll be happy. If I do this, I'll be happy. If I do that, I'll be happy. We're always looking for these external factors. When we're thinking of happiness, if I have the nicest castle, I'll be happy. If I become a minister, I'll be happy. We're always looking for big outside things to make us happy. The reality is, my dear brothers and sisters, it's the small things in life that make you happy. But you have to pay attention to them. When the imam describes an ant for you, the imam is teaching you insignificant things in your life, they play a major role. Pay attention to them, study them, examine them, learn from them, be inspired by them. Studies, psychological studies have shown that one of the best paths to keep yourself happy and not depressed is by focusing on three normal small things during your day that generate to you some happiness. In order for you to be happy, you don't need big things and big miracles to happen in your life. Focus on the small gifts that Allah has given you. They're not small, you think they're small. Focus on them. Today the weather was nice, you went to the bay and you had a nice walk. Psychological steady state and our hadith supports that. Go home that night and write it in your diary or journal or in your notes. Today I was walking with my friend, with my spouse, with my brother, with my sister. And it was a nice sunny day and we had a good time. Write that. Write that in your diary, write that in your notes. Today my friend invited me and we had a good time. Today at work this happened, at school this happened, some nice things during the day. Today I saw a beautiful bird chirping and tweeting and that really caught my attention. Write that. Psychologists state people who write three blessings that they have during the day, even if they're small, over time they are much more happy than those who don't. And that protects them from depression, it protects them from anxiety, It makes sure that their mental health is proper. So these small things that you have in your life, cherish them, my dear brothers and sisters. And every night before you sleep, thank Allah. Oh Allah, you've given me a house. You've given me access to to education. Today I had a good conversation with mom, with my dad, with my colleague. Appreciate these blessings. Today I saw something nice. I heard something nice. Appreciate that. This is the lesson that we learn from this sermon. And this is what will make you happy. Ask happy people. It's these things that make them happy. Other things are superficial. These small gifts of life, every day celebrate them and cherish them by thanking Allah and remembering them. That's how you protect your mental health. The third lesson that we learned from this sermon, do not ever underestimate the power of a word even if it's small. And an act even if it's small. A deed even if it's small. Doesn't Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tell us in the Holy Quran, فَمَنْ يَعْمَلْ مِثْقَالَ ذَرَّةٍ If you do an atom's weight of a deed, خَيْرًا, good deed, yara, you'll see the results. And if you do an atom's weight of a sin, of a bad deed, you'll see the result as well. 
Don't underestimate the power of your deeds, the power of words. One word can destroy someone's life or save someone's life. One word. Don't underestimate it. Many times we're loose with our words. We say words we don't care. Sometimes we insult people, we cuss at people. This word can change the direction of someone's life. I myself heard from one of the great maraja. He said that when he was young and he was studying Hausa classes, seminary classes, he said we had a small class with one of our teachers. This is like 80 years ago. He said we had a classmate and he was bright. He wasn't the brightest student in class, but he was okay. He says one day he struggled to understand the class. Maybe he was tired, maybe something was going on in his head. So the teacher kept explaining it, he didn't get it. He said at the end, the teacher got frustrated and he yelled at him and he told him, you cow. You know what happened? You cow was two words. Two words. You know what these two words did? He says that student was the last day we saw him in Hausa. He left. He was shattered. He was heartbroken. He left. He says, I don't want to continue this path. I don't want to be a Hausa student. I don't want to be a scholar. I don't want to be anything. He went and he wasted his life. One word. One word. Who's responsible for that? Now maybe the teacher didn't have the intention. He just said it. But be careful. Sometimes a word that you can say can hurt someone. Can destroy someone's life. Can injure the heart of someone. And change the future of someone. And then subhanallah, sometimes one word can save someone's life. One word can motivate someone. Ask people who were motivated, you'll usually find that they heard something from someone. It's one word that changed their perspective. Years ago, I was reading online about a person who struggled with depression. This person became suicidal. She says, I became suicidal where I decided to end my life. She says, one day before deciding to kill myself, I went online on a platform, on this chat where you ask for advice or something. And I said, I wrote in that chat, I really need help. I'm depressed, I'm suicidal. She says, no one bothered to respond, except one person. You know what that person responded? Didn't give me a long paragraph. Hey, we'll be there for you. Here are some tips. This is how you get yourself out of depression and suicide. That person just responded with one two-letter word, hi. She says, the only response I got in that chat room, on that website, on that platform is hi. She says, that hi saved my life. Because when I wanted to commit suicide later that day, I said to myself, there is a human being on earth who cares about me this much to say hi. Why should I kill myself? See? See, one word, one word. That's why the hadith teaches us that the zakat that you want to share with people is two types. One is the material financial zakat. One is the spiritual zakat. Saying salam to someone is zakat. Asking them, how are you? This is zakat. Making them feel good, it is zakat. One hadith states people with disabilities because they really suffer. Saying something nice to them is a zakat that Allah will reward you for. Because this one word can save their life. Never underestimate the power of words in your life, my dear brothers and sisters. They have a huge impact. Don't underestimate anything small in your life. This sin is small. Never underestimate sins. 
Learn from the sermon of Amir al-Mu'mineen to pay attention to these small things in your life. They are significant. All creatures of Allah are significant. All creatures of God. The entire creation of Allah is important because Allah has created this creation. All of it is important. So these are some words of advice that we truly take from the commander of the faithful Amir al-Mu'mineen who is truly the source of knowledge in all fields. You want success, you want science, you want advice, you want to know how to live. Go to Amir al-Mu'mineen, the commander of the faithful salawatullahi alayhi. This man who truly cared. You know, sometimes we help others, but we just help because maybe we're trained to help. Not necessarily because we really care. Amir al-Mu'mineen would care. One day the Imam alayhi salam was passing by. Imagine, this is Kufa. He's the commander-in-chief. He's the leader on today's political map over 50 countries. He passes by, he sees a woman sitting on the street, on the side of the street crying. My dear brothers and sisters, back then, 14 centuries ago, no one cared about a woman on the street crying. So what? It's not a big deal, no one would care. A woman sitting crying, so what? Not a big deal. This was the mentality of that society. Amir al-Mu'mineen with all of his obligations. He passes by, he notices a woman crying. A woman in my government crying? I need to know why. He approaches her. Ya Allah, O servant of Allah, why do you cry? What's bothering you? She tells him, what's bothering me is that I'm a slave owned by a family. I'm their maid, I'm their servant. And they sent me to buy dates. They gave me some money, here's like a dirham, go buy dates. I bought the dates, I brought them home. My master, my owner says, I don't like them. I don't like them. Go and return it, get a refund. I came to this owner of the dates, this store owner. He he refuses, he says, no, I'm not going to take it back and refund you. I'm crying, I don't know what to do. If I go back home right now, they'll beat me. They'll punish me. That's why I'm crying. What does Amir al-Mu'mineen, the commander of the faithful do? Look at his compassionate heart. He comes to the seller of the dates. And he tells him, oh servant of Allah. This lady, she took the dates to the owner. And they don't like the dates. I am asking you to please give her a refund. He says, no, done deal, I'm not going to give any refunds. The imam says, I'm asking you, look at her state, she's crying, give her a refund. That man was very arrogant. You know what he does? He walks to Amir al-Mu'mineen and he tells him, who are you? How dare you tell me to give her a refund? And he pushes the imam Now he doesn't know this is Imam Ali, doesn't know this is the Khalifa. He did not know that, he did not recognize the imam. When he pushed Imam Ali, there was commotion. The people came to him, they told him, did you know what you just did? You pushed the Khalifa, this is Ali ibn Abi Talib. The guy began to shake. Please, I apologize, let me kiss your hand, let me kiss your feet, forgive me. Please be satisfied with me, I'll do anything. The Imam told him, do you want me to be satisfied with you? He said, yes, I'll do anything, O Imam. He told him, I want you to be good with your customers. Be good with your customers, I'll be satisfied with you. That's Amir al-Mu'mineen. 
This is the compassionate leader whom we are commemorating on such a night. But my dear brothers and sisters, this compassionate ruler, this compassionate leader on such a night, what happened to him in this in the city of Kufa? Now I want you to take your hearts to the city of Kufa on such a night, the night of the 19th of the month of Ramadan. Imam Amir al-Mu'mineen, every night he would have iftar in the house of one of his children, one of his sons or daughters. According to multiple reports, tonight was the night of Um Kulthum. Amir al-Mu'mineen alayhi salam went to her house to have iftar. But do you know what the iftar of Amir al-Mu'mineen is? <laughs> Look at the humbleness of your imam. Lady Um Kulthum, she brings him some milk, some bread and some salt. That's all she offered him. The imam alayhi salam looked at her. As if something is wrong. She tells him, Father, what's wrong? Did I do something wrong? He tells her, My dear daughter, when did you see your father combining between several types of food? Ya Amir al-Mu'mineen, what several type of food? Milk, salt and bread, you call that several types of food? Um Kulthum says, I wanted to take the salt so he can drink the milk. The Imam said, no, take the milk. So the last iftar of your Imam, Amir al-Mu'mineen alayhi salam, was some bread and salt on such a night. The Imam alayhi salam has his iftar in the house of his beloved daughter, Um Kulthum. But this night was a different night for Amir al-Mu'mineen. Um Kulthum comes up to her father, she tells him, Ya Aba, Ya, I see something different tonight. Something's not right tonight. You don't look normal tonight. I see you have anxiety tonight. Something is making you uneasy this night. What is it, your father? Tell me. The Imam alayhi salam tells her, Bunaya, Inna abaki qatala al-abtal. My dear daughter, your father has fought the warriors. He has gone through the most difficult trials and never did fear enter my heart. But tonight, tonight, Um Kulthum, something is different tonight. Tonight I feel different. Then they noticed that the Imam on that night, he would go in the courtyard of the house and he would look at the stars. And the Imam would say, Hiya, hiya, wallah. He would say, it is the night. I swear by Allah, tonight is the night that Rasulullah has promised me. Tonight is the night. <laughs> yes, the Imam alayhi salam, he spent the night in ibadah, but then he became tired. He took a short nap. While the Imam fell asleep, he saw the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa alihi. In his dream, you know what the Prophet told him in his dream? Ajjal, ajjal, ya Abal Hasan, faqad ishtaqna ilayk. Oh Abal Hasan, oh Ali, hurry, come to us, we miss you. We miss you over here. Allahu Akbar, Rasulullah misses Amir al-Mu'mineen. Imagine how much Amir al-Mu'mineen had missed Rasulullah. So the Imam السلام, wakes up and he realizes that this is the night of the tragedy. 
The Imam السلام, is now close to Fajr. He farewells his daughter, Um Kulthum. Bunaya, Bunaya, Al Wada. لقد قرب الافتجاع. The tragedy is soon, O oh, Um Kulthum. You have to be ready for the tragedy. Amir al-Mu'mineen alayhi salam before Fajr he goes to Masjid al-Kufa from his house next to the Masjid. There were geese in the courtyard, ducks or geese in the courtyard that were gifted to Imam al-Hassan al-Hussein. When Amir al-Mu'mineen passed by them, they began to cause commotion like yelling and screaming. You know what the Imam commented? He said, Yes, these geese right now, they're causing commotion, but soon there will be wailing and crying because a tragedy shall come. Amir al-Mu'mineen alayhi salam is about to enter the masjid. The Imam had not fixed his belt properly, so one side of the belt latched onto the door. The Imam alayhi salam, he put it back on. If It's as if the belt was telling the Imam, please don't enter the masjid today. The tragedy awaits for you. You know what the Imam says? He says these lines of poetry. Oh Ali, fasten your belt for death because death is coming to you. وَلَا تَجْزَعَ مِنَ الْمَوْتِ إِذَا حَلَّ بِنَادِيكَ And do not despair of death when it arrives. Be strong, be patient. كَمَا أَضْحَكَ كَدَّايَةِ كَذَاكَ الدَّهْرُ يُبْكِيكَ Just as there are good happy days, there are times when you cry and there is a tragedy. The Imam alayhi salam, O believers, we're getting close to the tragedy. The Imam enters the masjid. He goes into the mihrab. He prays nafilat al-fajr, the two rak'ah of the morning prayer. That the adhan is called. People gather to pray behind Amir al-Mu'mineen. One of the evil enemies of Allah, Ibn Muljam, he was in the masjid. And he was hiding a poisonous sword under his garment. People, O oh, Amir al-Mu'mineen, now starts his salah, Allahu Akbar. Imagine this is the last time your imam prays while standing on his feet. <coughs> Amir al-Mu'mineen begins the salah. O oh, believers, he goes into ruku'. Allahu Akbar, subhana rabbi al-azimi wa bihamd. The Imam السلام, raises his head from the ruku'. Then the Imam السلام, goes into the sujood. Here comes the tragedy, O oh, Mu'mineen. <laughs> when Amir al-Mu'mineen raises his head from the sujood, the enemy Ibn Muljam comes with that poisonous sword. <laughs> and he strikes Amir al-Mu'mineen on his head. While the Imam is in his salah, while the Imam is raising his head from the sujood, Rahimallahu man nada wa imama wa aliya wa madluma. 
Amir al-Mu'mineen falls to the ground and the blood is gushing from his head. Suddenly everyone hears a call coming from the heavens. <coughs> a call coming from the sky. Jibra'il made a global announcement. <coughs> what did he say? The pillars of guidance have been broken right now and destroyed. Everyone begins to cry. Imam Al-Hasan was standing behind Amir Al-Mu'mineen. He continues the salah. He leads the salah so they finish their prayer. But now Amir Al-Mu'mineen does not have energy to go back home. He's lost so much blood. Imam Hassan and Hussein, they carry Amir Al-Mu'mineen, one from the right side, one from the left side to take him to his house. So the Imam was leaning on them to go back to his house. One report states before they reached the door of his house, Imam Ali tells Hassan and Hussein, please let me walk on my feet. <laughs> Don't help me now, let me walk. They tell him, Father, why? Look at your state, you can barely walk. <laughs> He says, I don't want Zainab to see me. I don't want Zainab to see me carried by you. Because if she sees me in that state, she knows the severity of the tragedy. She knows I've been struck badly. I don't want Zainab to see that. I say to you, Ya Abel Hassan, Ya Amir Al-Mu'mineen, your compassionate heart did not allow you to be seen by Zainab being carried by Hassan and Hussein. <laughs> ya Amir al-Mu'mineen, what would you have done on the day of Ashura <laughs> when Zainab rushed to the battleground <laughs> and she saw Shimr ibn Dhul-Jawshan sitting on the chest of Abu Abdullah. <laughs>